This thing on? Drivers, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. It's been a minute, but welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it, it is Victory Lane. New year, new decade, same great podcast for you. We're back. Hopefully we'll be better than ever in 2020 to kick off the new year and the new decade. Glad you're here along with me for the journey. We're going to kick things off with my conversation I had at ISM Raceway with Brittany Zamora here in a minute, but before that... I want to start off this episode in a similar way that we started off pretty much all of last year's episode. Say it with me. I love it. New year, same me, right? Welcome to 2020. Now, you're probably asking yourself, or you're not, what's happening? What is going on in the world? Well, uh, personally, I've been... Some places, I've also been chilling at home for a little bit. I actually prepped for this episode like a few weeks back. So the notes that I wrote down said that I went on a cruise before Christmas, enjoyed that, been hanging. That's true. I've been doing all of those things, and I did all of those things. Um, But, I mean, you don't come here to hear that. You come here to hear about stuff that's happening on the NASCAR front. And let me tell you, there is a lot of stuff going down in the world of the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing. Silly season going all over the place. Drivers going to new teams, signing back with their old teams, crew chief swaps, sponsor announcements, schedule changes, car changes, package changes, everything is going on. Unfortunately, we are not going to do that on this episode, but fear not because the opening race, the Daytona 500, is less than one month away, which means we're ready to kick everything back into high gear, which means that I'll be on later on this month to recap all that happened in the offseason while I was gone in my winter hibernation from this podcasting world, and we will preview what's going to happen in 2020 as well. But we have interview time with Brittany Zamora. That is what we are going to talk about today. That is our main topic on the agenda. She just completed her rookie season in what's now known as the Arkham Menard Series West. She will not be back with Bill McAnally Racing in 2020 as they recently announced their four rookies that will be piloting their Toyotas earlier this week. But we sat down last year, weird to say, at Phoenix and talked about a bunch of different topics We always have a good time chatting. I mean, there's fun stories about being at the track as a baby. And when I say a baby, I mean an infant baby. Golfing fails. That was one of my favorite stories that we talked about. Kind of her rapid ascension to the NASCAR ranks through the Northwest super late model scene. I think you'll enjoy her reminiscing on those days. And so, so much more. As I said, we talked at Phoenix last season for about 30 minutes. It's a fun time. I hope you enjoy our conversation. First one of 2020, kicking it off with Brittany Zamora. We are here at ISM Raceway in a secluded little office because every other interview room was booked. But I'm with Brittany Zamora. Brittany, thank you for joining me. I want to do this for a long time. Uh, This is going to be one of those... Longer form chats. It's no Dale Jr. download, but I think that the Davy Siegel, Brittany Zamora download will work. I, I think so. Okay, you got it. Good. 
So I have a list of questions. Um, last night, the 2019 season ended for you in K&N. It's come and gone, and I talked to you after the race. It, it seems like the bad luck finally, it took 14 races, but it finally got out of your system. So now that the season has come and gone, how did you kind of evaluate how it all went? Overall, I think it went really well. We ended up fifth in points. You know, we got we sat around pole a few times. We got the podiums. We got the top threes, the top fives, all that good stuff. And we led a lot of laps, which is one of our biggest goals for the year. Um, it went pretty well. We had the mechanical issues. We had the bad luck you're talking about. Um, the first 50 laps last night, I'm like, here we go again, yep. you know. <laughs> um, but luckily, we were able to get it turned around. We got our two laps back after fighting MSD box issues. Um, we had five wheel weights come off. So there was a terrible vibration the entire race. I feel like race. any bad luck that you, like, that can happen in <laughs> racing, it's happened to you it's this happened year. It's happened to me, yeah. yeah. And um, But it's you just overcome it and you keep going. Um, you know, if we would have stopped it the halfway break because of our ignition issues, then we wouldn't have came back and got six last night. So um, I think overall it's been a pretty good season. Um, hopefully that we can continue our success next year. So, like, when you look at all the races that went on, because I'd probably say – out of the 14, there was eight, nine that you had something happen, whether it was in the race or before the race, like blowing a motor and qualifying, what, gateway? Yep. So how much – okay, let, let's try to – we don't have to run it through <laughs> race by race, but how much How much of it was bad luck? How much of it was just running okay? How much of it was getting used to different cars in your rookie season? Like how much would you attribute everything to in the season? That's – it's tough to say. You know, we had um, – Sonoma, we didn't get a finish because electrical. And so mm -hmm. that's just simply like bad luck right there. And that's a really good track to gain experience on. You know, that was my first stock car road course race. And so I wanted to complete all the laps. And then to not be able to finish the race, it put us really behind in points because yeah. there were so many cars. And so I think it kind of just depends on each race. Like each race was kind of its own individual like progression. And we either kind of stayed where we were from entering to leaving because of the bad luck or we had races like Tucson and Evergreen and this weekend at Phoenix. And there's a few others where we just kind of took the next step at each yeah. race we went to. And so, which was, it's the right thing to do. And the adversity comes with racing. It's a sport. I mean, um, any other sport out there is pretty much player only. Yep. And coming into NASCAR, you have so many things that can go wrong. And that's just part of the sport. Because it's, it's all about partnerships and who you know and who you're with, and that's just how it is. Yeah, and there's so many aspects on a car that anything can go wrong at any time. You can get a flat tire. You can, I mean, you can have ignition issues, yeah. you can blow motor, all it's that stuff There's just so much happen. out of your control. Yeah, exactly. I feel like people from the outside don't really understand that unless you're in it because, like I was talking to Meg Oliphant, one of the photographers last night, and she's basically saying, you know, why were the East Coast cars so much better? And I basically explained to her, well, they, they have more access to some technology mm -hmm. because they're closer to the hub of everything in Charlotte. And they said, well, what, what about Brittany and Haley and Derek? Like, they're the best team on the West Coast. And I said, yeah, but compared to DGR, JGR, GMS, they're like, I mean, they're in the ballpark, but yeah. when they're hitting home runs, BMR is hitting doubles. And that's just how it is. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, for what BMR has and, the, like, the resources I have, they're a phenomenal team. Like, 100%. 100%. Like, to – Nine championships. A yeah, nine championships. And to get it this year against some of the competition that we had is very impressive. But it's just – it's the fact of being on the West Coast versus the East Coast. And it just – it comes naturally with yeah. the location of the teams. So I mentioned the partnerships. I think the one thing that some people might know you by is that bright orange car that you yes. drive. <laughs> 99 with sponsorship from Enio. So I'm going to start out with one thing because I remember we had this conversation at Irwindale. How do you – you pronounce it as Enios, right? Enios. 
Are you serious? Any So I've been doing it wrong all year? <laughs> You're fine. You're, everybody kind of has it, wait, their is own it, version. I, I could have sworn it was Enios. Enios, yeah. Enios. Uh-huh. Like, Each person you meet will say it a little bit different, so. How long did it take you to figure that out? Um. Well, the meeting I had with them prior to the year, <laughs> they, like, kind of taught us how to say I'm it. So we're their brand I'm so I could have sworn at Irwindale you told me it was Enios. Enios? I, I might have messed up. Like, A-N-Y. Oh, N, okay. like, E-N-N, and then E-O-S. Enios. Enios, but it's yeah. a Motorola company, Japan? Yes, okay. out of Japan. Um, so it's difficult to pronounce, that's one thing, but the car <laughs> looks really good. How did that partnership come about in the first place for this year? So it actually worked out really well. Um, you know, I was working with Toyota to get into possibly a full-time ride for the K&N series. Um, Enio, or, oh my gosh, I just said it, now I'm all messed hey, up. That's my fault, <laughs> no, that's my fault. Enios is, um, they have sponsored Kyle Larson in the past, and they just kind of, Wanted to start out a lower series and mm-hmm. get the brand recognition. So they wanted to start out in the NASCAR Canaan series, stay involved with NASCAR. And then once the brand was out there and recognized, and they could start, you know, continuing to move up throughout the series and get more recognition. And They sponsored so, some races this year, too. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah, the title of the races mm-hmm. was NEOS. And so, um, you know, with me working with Toyota and possibly BMR and then NEOS trying to get into Napa stores and mm-hmm. promote their brand all over the United States and um, it just worked out really well with Toyota, BMR, um, driving a Toyota Camry from Japan, yep. the NEOS motor oil company being from Japan. It's so like too good to be true. It, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out really well. So let's go back a little bit to your roots. And I know you've talked about this extensively for stories, shows, whatever, but I want, I want to hear it again. So Kennewick, Washington, that's where you're from. Mm-hmm. Super late model, Northwest background. Um, and I remember I talked to you for a story, and I wrote down this quote. You said, I'm a rookie in the K&M Pro Series, but not to racing stock cars. Mm-hmm. So take me back there to how things started for you in racing in general. And then we'll get to the story of when you first went to the racetrack, because oh that's crazy. Oh, my gosh. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah, so my dad actually got me into racing. I'm a second-generation driver. He won several tour championships around the Northwest, very successful successful in every um, series that he raced in mm-hmm. super late models and when he got into super late models I'm like that is the car that I want to drive when I grow up and so at this time I'm still four or five six very young but I knew it was what I wanted Gotta to do start him young. and exactly you do and so I got into go-karts the day I could at four years old did those for like eight years won national titles championships wins all that good stuff moved into stock cars did the same thing in mini stocks moved into supers did the same thing there and then now I'm lucky enough to be in the NASCAR Canon West Pro Series. So that was four years old. Four years old. Before days old, I think. <laughs> four days old. That's when you first went to the racetrack. Yes, it is. How? Wh- how? Which, why did that happen? <laughs> my parents you were are crazy. You were, you were fresh out the hospital, four days old, and <laughs> yeah. you're already at the track. I know. Crazy, huh? Tell me that story. Like, how, I, how does that even happen? You know, I don't really remember the day, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was it was the start of it all. Like, Every single day of my life, except three, have been involved with racing. Like, it's really crazy to think about. It's been my entire life. It's a lifestyle. Um, I'm thankful they did that because it's been it's been a really um, great journey to, to this day. It's literally but all you've ever known. It, it is because when yeah. you didn't know anything. You when I did <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, when I couldn't even like eat or sleep on my own, I was at the racetrack. Nothing. So, um, but yeah, it's it's been really cool. I'm glad they did that. So as you mentioned, racing's in your blood, uh, second-generation racer. And in 2018, you were with the Kawiki Driver Development Program. That, this is a big year for you. So not only were you with that program, you were the Wendell Scott Trailblazer Award winner. You were the Washington State Rookie of the Year. 
one year removed from that, almost in 2020 now, how big, looking back on 2018, how big was that year? It, it was a huge year for for me growing as a driver, you know, to get my foot into the NASCAR world, you yeah. know, because Evergreen's a NASCAR track and NASCAR home track. And so um, to be able to back up my resume with all those statistics and my resume was great before, mm-hmm. but that just kind of put it to the next step. And that's what really helped me get into the series this year. And that's what I was going to say. So the next step, jumping to K&N mm-hmm. from racing super late models and kind of the home tracks aspect of things. I know probably looking at it from a 30,000 foot view, you thought, all right, this is going to be a big jump. But when you first got in the car, besides the dirt race, because I know you'd never <laughs> raced on dirt, how much of a jump was it initially and was it bigger than you expected? Um... I would say getting into, like, the bigger tracks was probably, like, my, like, Memphis. It was, like, three-quarters of a mile, mm-hmm. which prior to that, my biggest track was 5.8. So it's the next step. Going to those tracks, I didn't really know what to expect, I guess, going into it and trying to transition and get used and used to that driving style. And the long straightaways, like, at Gateway, I was, like, these are the longest straightaways ever. I'm, like, yeah. I could take a nap and wake up and still be on the straightaway. Okay, but <laughs> so, so Haley also said, though, and I, I get Poconos completely different from Gateway, mm-hmm. but also Derek said the same thing about Gateway. Like, when you drive it into turn one, you don't know what you're supposed to feel. You don't know how you're uh, supposed to no, feel. No, it's – yeah, it's <laughs> weird. It's, like, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's a weird feeling. I don't I don't think I've had that any other track, but Gateway is, it like is definitely you're, Is it like that you're on the edge of control? It's or is it like you're just scared because this has never happened to you before? Like, what is that like? It's a little bit on, like, yeah, you're kind of on the edge of control because you're trying to drive the thing as hard as you can in yeah. there, but, well, keeping it under you. But also just kind of like the way that the track is banked and the transition into the corner, it's kind of like a weightless feeling. And so you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you know, like, those moments are probably the best, and that's when you know you're really pushing the car to its limits. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your crew chief, Kevin Bellacourt. He has been very, very... I guess you could say, integral in your development and also with Bill McAnally Racing in general. I call him the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> How has it been working with him this year as your rookie? Because as in your rookie year, because I feel like he knows so much and he had so much experience, not just in K&N, but also in other than National Series. I feel like that was kind of a perfect pair for you in your rookie year. Yeah, it worked It worked out pretty good. He came from, you know, truck series background. He's worked with a lot of drivers, big name. William Byron, you yep. know, he worked with Truck Series drivers last year, and I was just, I was really lucky to get put with him this year. Um, at first, it was, it was a, it was a different transition for me from working with my family and being my only teammate. I was the only one on our right. team to getting into this year and like having a whole new crew, having a crew chief with his background, which helped get into these bigger tracks, and then coming off the track and having teammates and other setups to compare to. So that was probably, like, the biggest thing that I had to get used to this year. But um, I think the past few races, we've really kind of, like, solidified our crew chief driver yeah. relationship. Um, we've had, like, we at the beginning, you know, you kind of got to adjust, like, the language you use. Like, the terminology that I use wasn't necessarily the same as his, and so we had to compare, like, we use, like, a rating system, yeah. you know, yeah. to kind of – get it equally is what I'm saying as to what he's thinking. And so, um, but it all worked out pretty good. And you said that that was a bit of an adjustment, I guess, you know, adjusting the cars is one thing, adjusting the language is one thing. Is there anything Mm -hmm. else that maybe on the surface people didn't see, but you had a tough time adjusting to? Um, I don't know. Like just the whole aspect, you know, going to the races and, um, like how NASCAR is run, the schedule, the, prep that goes into these mm-hmm. races is a lot different than, you know, your local Saturday night show. You're so just, you're traveling all over. It's not like oh you're my just gosh. going to the track it's, every week. It's a full-time job, yeah. yeah. Versus, you know, leaving Friday, coming home Sunday, racing on Saturday. Right. I'm traveling all week, going to sponsor events, you know, 
getting interviews, making phone calls. Yeah. Like, I'm all over the place, but it's fun. I never thought of it as a full-time job, but it kind of is. It really is, Especially, yeah. Especially somebody in your position who's still young, trying to break in, mm-hmm. per se, make your way in the sport. I never really thought of it as, like, a job. I thought of it more so as an opportunity. Yeah. But you want to take that opportunity and take it to the next level. Yeah, and I'm. It's it's awesome, but like, there's so many events that you go go to, like SEMA to represent NEOS and Toyota Motorsports Day, and here being at the track and racing and watching the races. Like, it was the last 24 days I'd only been home three, so it's like Jeez. I'm always gone, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you mentioned Toyota, so uh, racing for them, I, I assume, is very cool. It's it's the premier motorsports organization mm-hmm. in NASCAR right now. I would say. I mean, you could be in a worse situation for sure. And I know that you guys do some cool team activities, especially with your younger, your younger drivers. You went to, like, a mm-hmm. boot camp somewhere recently? How was that? Oh, yeah. They have put you through so much training, which it's a huge benefit on track. Um, getting that – we have, a, like, a nutritionist, and we have a personal trainer, mm-hmm. and we have apps and stuff that keep us connected and keep us, like, on track so we don't, we're not slacking in between <laughs> races and stuff. But it's really cool. We'll go out there. We did some team bonding experiences, and um, our TPC facility is – amazing i mean they have every resource you need out there but it's really cool working with toyota we um i grew so much off the track as a driver because of them and our resources this year that it's there's it's there's no question that it's helped me on track as well for sure and we've talked about this as well and people from the outside also might say wow like being Haley deacon's teammate that must be tough and then when you throw on the other aspect of another female being her teammate Mm -hmm. What is it like to be her teammate? Because I know it's she gets all the spotlight, right? Like, there's no debating that. And I'm, I'm sure it's tough for you because she has some experience in these cars. She has some experience in the series with this team. Meanwhile, you're here, a rookie, trying to make a name for yourself. What is it like being her teammate? Um, so I don't really compare myself to my teammates. I'd like, I, I like to use them as markers, like how I'm, like how I'm running compared to them, where our times are, mm-hmm. and how, how consistent we are. But um, the best piece of advice I've ever got this year is actually from Denny Hamlin. And he told me that you're not out there to compete against the other competitors. You're out there to compete against yourself. So it's Hmm. what can you do to be better than yourself, better than you were last lap, better than you were last race. And as long as you keep doing that, then you're on the right track to success. And so I was like, it like mind blown me. I'm like, oh, my God, because I'm always like worried about like, what is somebody doing that I'm not, or all this kind of stuff. And I think that's still good to keep in mind just to kind of see how they're being successful and how I can improve myself. But I think it's I, that's literally the best piece of advice I've ever heard is just to focus on I me use that and too. what I'm doing. Yeah, right? <laughs> and just focus on what I'm doing in my career and how I can keep getting better myself. So you mentioned you talked to Denny Hamlin. I think that was at Sonoma for an event. Mm-hmm. Any other drivers that you kind of maybe had to pinch yourself and say wow I'm like at an event with this driver I'm talking to this driver right now yeah it's there's been a few like cup drivers especially at Toyota Motorsports mm-hmm. Day you know you get to hang around Kyle Busch I had lunch with Martin Truex Jr. we just talked racing like Scott Pruitt not a NASCAR driver or not right ra- yeah um but it's just cool to you know like have those opportunities and just walking around the pits like Denny's saying hi to me and we're talking about the races and it's, just, it's so yeah right like I gotta act cool but <laughs> <laughs> um it's just it's cool to have you know those connections and be able to you know stay involved with the sport and it's just it's really cool how do you balance having friends in the pits in the garage relationships with different people in the like is that hard for you to balance because I I find myself as like a young-ish reporter mm-hmm. who covers people like you Haley uh, Derek, like all these people, 
I become friends with you guys, but at the end of the day, like I have a job to do exactly. and so do you. Yeah. So how do you yeah. balance that? Because I feel like it's kind of a fine line to walk. Yeah, I, I get that 100%. Um, I think it's all about like the right place, the right time. You know, like um, I think it helps being in the racing world. I know what the other drivers are going through. I know what their race day schedule looks like. I know like like how to talk racing and all that kind of stuff. So right. I think that definitely helps. Um, and everybody in the racing world knows that too. And so it's all about right place, right time. And um, it, it's tricky for sure, but I, I don't know. I think I'm still working on it. Yeah. I think you can always be improving on it's that. Like, it's like you either get it or you don't. Exactly, that, yeah. That's what, that's what I tell my friends at home because they don't really get racing, mm -hmm. right? And they're like, how do you go like, to all these places every single week? Like, why is there a track in Idaho? <laughs> Like, they don't get it. Yeah. You know, it's, uh -huh. it's one thing to understand how everything works, and it's another thing to just be on the outside. But I think everybody can improve at that because, I mean, like you said, it's it's an ever it's an ever growing type of thing. Yeah. Like, balancing those relationships in the garage. And you're right. It's tough to find, like, a fine line between, like, friendships and, like, business, you know. But, yeah. yeah. So, we mentioned your dad off the top. Uh, he's been by your side pretty much the whole way. Your whole family's been there. Mm -hmm. I know Sierra bakes some wonderful cookies. She does. So, uh, <laughs> every race. <laughs> every race. I didn't get for any For the yesterday. crew and for everybody. There's, there's none left, right? No. No sad. cookies left. All right. Well, hopefully next year I'll get some more. <laughs> What's it like having the support from your family? Because I know they mean so much to you. Yeah, it's really cool. There's been a few races this year, like um, down in New Hampshire, which is totally across the country from everybody and it's just kind of unrealistic for my whole family to go there and yeah. be at the race and it's weird not to have them there yeah ever since like four days old the racetrack my whole family's there watching my dad four <laughs> years old riding my first go-kart race like my whole family was there and that's been my whole racing career and so it's weird not to have them there they're my backbone they're my support they're there for everything and um like this weekend was really cool it's like west coast race big weekend you got all like top three series yeah. you got cannon quadruple so, header yeah, I think we were counting last night, and um, I had 19 family members here. So it's wow. like, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Like, I got I got a lot of support. You could have a whole pit crew. I, pretty much, yeah. A few, <laughs> maybe Should've two. Should have thrown out for the break there. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, all right, you ready for the fun stuff? Yes. Okay. Uh, you have, you've had a background for a while as a competitive dancer. Uh-huh, yeah. So tell me about that, how, like, I feel like nobody would have known that unless they're listening to this podcast. No, nobody ever knows. That's like my fun little fact. They're like, tell me something you don't, we don't know about you. And I'm like, I'm a national champion in tap dancing. But, um, so I started racing and dancing at the same time, both when I was four. Wow. So the past like. Were you dancing when you were four days old? No. Uh, hmm. I mean, maybe wobbling around and crawling <laughs> and stuff, but not dancing. But um, so from four to 18 I did both of those I'd be dancing during the week and I'd be racing on the weekends wow. and it was kind of tough like dance competition is nationals like championships stuff same weekends but I was obviously at the racetrack but <laughs> instead of there but it's been fun um, it's weird because like you go to the dance studio and you have the full makeup the hair the costumes like everything and then I go to the racetrack and I'm like eh Maybe I have helmet hair, I'm sweaty, I'm gross, it's like <laughs> hanging the, with the guys. the starkest difference of all time. It, it really is, yeah. Do you do any of the tap dancing now, or is it kind of passed mm -mm. you by? I had to choose racing or dancing, so More I'm here. Racing. You think I'm you could here. break out some moves if you had to, though? Oh, for sure, yeah. It's always ingrained in For you. sure. It is. I mean, I did it for 18 or 14 years. So. You're a national champion. Yeah. We're not talking state. We're not talking uh -uh. city. National champion. National champion what in 2017, was, so not too long ago. Where were the championships? Like, what? Like, I don't know anything about competitive <laughs> dancing. Like, how, how did this work? 
Um, so it's pretty much, it lines with like the school year. So you start in August, you learn a routine, you practice, 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 like every day. Is it just one routine or is it a bunch? Um, I had seven routines. Jeez. And so, yeah, that was kind of a lot, but, um, and so you like practice all year, you go to championships and then we actually had nationals down in Oregon and, um, people from all across the country, Hawaii, like it's a big deal. And we came in and we won in the tap category for national champions. Jeez. So, like, I'm, I assume you have a coach? Uh, yeah, instructors. Yep, we have, like, mm-hmm. one for each routine that we have. My gosh. Yeah. And you need, you had to learn seven of them? Or seven. For the, but for the championship, did you do all seven or did you just do one? Um, so, I think three made it into nationals. And then three of the routines. Three of the routines okay. or made it into nationals right. with the scores and stuff. And then the one won. The videos are out there, right? Um, the, the actual the national championship dance is on YouTube, okay, yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to go watch that. <laughs> So what do you do for fun? Because I know that away from the track, you don't have a lot of time away from the track. But when you mm-hmm. do, you got to spend it wisely. Like, what do you do? Who do you hang out with? Um, so I go back home. I A lot of my friends have moved on to college and stuff. So when I go back home, a lot of them, like, aren't there. But my best friend still lives at home. We hang out. We get together. Um, I'm the big family person, so I love hanging out with my cousins, mm-hmm. my, um, like, then we have, we'll have like a, my family likes to throw like random parties. Like, oh, this happened? Let's throw a party. So we go and have a party. <laughs> so like the whole family is there, which is really fun. So usually catching up time with them, like kind of like I said earlier, I was home three days the past 24. So yeah. it's good to catch up with them. Um, always training, always training like every day. <laughs> but um, so that's what I like to do. Um, I don't, I'm up for anything usually. You've been a bit of a gym I, rat recently. A little bit. I've seen yeah. On your Instagram a little and bit. Snapchat, yeah. I I don't know. I'm kind of careful. Like, not all people don't want to see that all the time. So I know. Like, yeah. Ah. But like, I don't know. I'm proud of the progress I've made this yeah. year, and I know that um, Toyota likes to see it, so I definitely put it out there sometimes. And fitness is important in race cars. It, oh my gosh, it's incredibly important. It's huge. <laughs> it, all right, this is kind of like circling back. Is it harder to drive a super late model or a K&N car? Um, and that can be up to interpretation because I don't know what is hard to drive in a race car. What I think it depends. There's so many variables that go into it. Yeah. I think if it depends on the track you're racing at. It depends on the competition, um, how long the race is. Yeah. I don't know. Summer Showdown, 200 lap race mm-hmm. at Evergreen in the middle of July is hot. There's 200 laps around a 5.8 track. It's fast. It's big track. You got, I mean, you got Preston Peltier, Bubba Pollard has been there, Derek Thorne, mm-hmm. um, like Chris Davidson, Chris Eggleston. I mean, yep. that's a hard race. Oh, like, yeah. That's hard. But then, um, I mean, Sonoma, like, I only got a few laps, but those, like, that was, it's it's tough, you know? You're not just, like, you're not just focusing on per lap and yeah. who's on the inside or who's on the outside. Sometimes you don't even know what you're, what's inside, what's outside of Sonoma. You're like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you don't even know where you are. <laughs> exactly. And the heat was insane there and upshifting, or, yeah, upshifting, downshifting, and just, you have so much going on at once that, that that's pretty technical, too. And also your first race ever in a K&N car was on dirt. Oh my gosh. That was fun, wasn't it? That that was something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd never been on a dirt track a day in my life and then they put us in a stock car on dirt and I'm just <laughs> like, what is going on? But What a way to um, kick off my canon. Oh my gosh, I know. That that was tough. That was really When you tough, saw the schedule, were you just like whoopee? Well, okay, so wait. when I saw the schedule and I saw the Vegas race, I'd actually been to the race in September the year prior when it was just a mess. Like Dirt everywhere. Yeah. The drivers couldn't see. Yeah, there were uke tires on the track. Everybody was wrecking. And I'm <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that's what I have to look forward to. But <laughs> they had a better crew. They had a better yeah. track crew. Track conditions were a ton better. Um, I'm not used to like potholes in the middle of the track, and so like those were weird. Just getting 
and they're like, you gotta pitch her sideways. And I'm like, it took me a minute to learn because like, I don't want the car sideways when like the past 16 Goes years. Goes against everything. I haven't want the car sideways. Yeah. yeah. So I picked it up, but then it, it was just a whole new. You finished world to 11th, me. right? Yeah, lead lap, finish 11th. Yeah. So I mean, I was thinking first start, first ever start on dirt, finish yeah. 11th, lead lap, nose clean, pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. You kicked it off well. Not too bad. <laughs> so we're in Phoenix, and I think what well, today is Sunday, so this would have been mm-hmm. Friday. I go on Snapchat and Instagram. I look at your stories, and uh, oh you're playing golf. Oh my gosh! Yeah. What happened? I I was trying to play golf. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a golfer. My form's terrible. I had to get like a running start and stuff. It was bad. You're but like Happy Gilmore. It's oh, a hundred percent Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I did it. And so, our little B and B has a putt putt course in the right. back. And so I'm like, and then in the backyard behind that is an actual golf course. And I'm like. I'm going to just drive a ball. Like, I just want to hit it as Try hard as to. I can. Try to. Let's, I, I never have the room. Like, I don't have a putt-putt course in my backyard. Yeah. So, I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm just going to take Rome. a shot. One in Rome. Why not? So, I take a two, few practice shots, you know, a couple, like, ricocheted off the wall and landed in the pool. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm terrible. And then I'm I like, actually am really bad, too. Just I'm, so It's you know. so bad. Yeah. yeah. And so, I'm like, whatever. I'm going to get it one last shot here. Like, we're just going to try this. I can't go out, like, not being a success at it. It will. I didn't succeed at it in the end, but <laughs> it came out with a funny story. So I go and I just swing the ball, right? Hit it, it flies. Next thing you know, it's your little chirp and feathers <laughs> flying everywhere. I hit a bird with the golf ball. It, it's unbelievable. We didn't see the bird fly away, oh. and I think he's um. He went to I think bird he's heaven. resting now. He's he in bird, bird heaven. heaven. I, okay, um, so, so here's what I did. What are the chances? So I watched it once, and I saw your reaction. I was like, wait, what? And then I had to go somewhere. But then I saw I, I like watched it again, and then I turned on the volume. I heard like a faint chirp. Yes. So I cranked up the volume. <laughs> I heard the actual chirp, and I audibly had a gasp. I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm sorry. Are you kidding? I don't know. I I couldn't believe what happened. I'm like, I'm a terrible golfer. I don't have any aim when I hit the ball. Like, what are the chances a little golf ball is gonna nail a bird? And what are the chances that? They would have got it on video, and oh my god! That's what they say. Like if there's like a like, if there's like a what? wall that doesn't have a safer barrier or something, like a race car will find a way to hit oh, it. Oh, of course, yeah. If you're not if skillful at golf, you'll find night. a way to kill a bird. I I guess, yeah. So I but, think I think you should probably so just retire from the I'm, golf game. Yeah. Well, see, I went to Top Golf after. Yeah, and that's I'm what like, I was gonna say. You didn't I'm learn like, your lesson. No, but see, like there's no birds that fly. You don't know that. You, yeah, I probably would have found them if they were there. Uh, yeah. But well, you didn't, right? I, I didn't hit any birds at Top that Golf. That you know of. That I know of. Okay, well, rest yes. in peace to that bird. Yes. Rest in peace I hope to you your had a golf good life. success, I guess. <laughs> Clubs are going in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. All right, we'll wrap up here. Uh, let's go back to Toyota for a little bit. You're one of a few females that are under that banner. I, th- I think Toyota has the most female race car drivers out of the manufacturers right now in NASCAR. What is it like? It's kind of a cliche question. I'm sure you get it all the time. Mm-hmm. But being a female in a male-dominated sport in the garage – have you noticed any difference with that? Or since it's all you've ever known, is it more so just normal? Yeah, so it's pretty much like all I've ever known. Um, getting into the higher series, there's definitely a lot more attention towards you. Um, it, I think the pros are cons. I think everything's amplified being a girl. So you go out there and win, people are going to think it's the greatest thing on earth versus like a guy would have won. They'd be like, oh, cool, he won, yeah. you know? So I think everything's amplified. Or say a girl goes out there and wrecks, they're going to be like, oh, she wrecked because she's a girl. A guy goes out there and wrecks, so I'll be like, oh, it's racing. I've heard that so many yeah. times. It's insane. Yeah, I have And too. so I think everything is just amplified being mm-hmm. a female in the sport. But um, I love it. I wouldn't change it. Like, I'm, I'm glad I am 
who I am in, in the position here, but it's fun. Um, I like, you know, I like bringing the limelight to it. Like, I want to show other girls that, like, you can do it. Like, just don't listen to them. It's not a big deal. I don't I don't think of myself as a girl in the sport, and that's, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to be a racer. 100%. And to go out there and compete and win races and hopefully make this as a career. So I, Haley has been asked about this, too, and I think pretty much, like, every female race car driver has. Uh-huh. How many guys slide into your DMs per week? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's – that's interesting. <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot. Um, some are just decent, um, but then you get the like, creepers that are just you're just like you get go. like ten creepers to every one decent person. Oh my gosh, at least yeah. And you're just like go away. Like I don't need this. Um, <laughs> go away. Like the DMs and stuff. Like whatever. I can ignore them because like you can either like accept or decline right, them. Right, you know right, I can right. ignore them. But it's when they come up to you in person. Like at every single autograph session, I've had like two or three people that just like amaze me like I'm just like oh my god what makes you think it's okay to say that you know (laughs) and I'm just like I'm just like why can't you just tell me good luck or hope you do well or I'll be watching you (laughs) like you do to any other driver you know but they got to throw the creepy comments out there um actually Kern and here yesterday probably like the weirdest comments I've ever gotten I'm just like keep walking like get out of here bye (laughs) it's weird (laughs) yeah that's I mean like you said I feel like that's kind of frustrating for you because you're looked at as a female in the sport where Mm -hmm. yourself you're just trying to be looked at as another race car driver yeah exactly and the fans don't really understand that they Uh they see they see a pretty face they're like oh here's a here's a female in a male-dominated sport yeah I have the right to say this to her yeah it's just it, it it doesn't really make sense to me it's weird yeah yeah that's I mean even from, like, super late malls and stuff, you'll have, like, occasional, like, weird guys and stuff. But it's weird how amplified it gets getting into even just, like, the K&N series. Like, yeah. I'm not even, like, in trucks or Xfinity. I'm not, like, a top-tier <laughs> series driver yet. They're digging deep. They're, they're going for it, yeah. <laughs> for sure. All right. Last question. Let's talk about some short-term and some long-term goals. Um, next year, in terms of 2020, I know you don't really have your plans super firmed up yet. But what are your short-term goals? Let's talk maybe the next two, three years. What are you looking at? Yeah, so I would – personally, I'd love to be competing in the ARCA series. You know, that's kind of – that's what the K&N series is turning into, and I believe that it's I – th- I think that ARCA has kind of always been a little bit ahead of the K&N series with the super speedways mm-hmm. and just the schedule that they have, you know, like going to Daytona and Pocono and all these different tracks. Like, I think that that's the next step to be able to get ready for the full-time track series or – truck starts and stuff like that because that's where they're going to be racing and so I think that'd be the perfect transition for me next year uh, I'm not really sure what next year holds yet I won't find out for a few more weeks but um, hopefully that we can keep partnering with Toyota so hopefully once you accomplish those short-term goals we look a little bigger picture long term mm-hmm. most people say I want to win a cup championship or some people say well I just want to start a cup race or I want to win a cup race what are the long-term goals for you look like I want I just want to make a career out of racing so Cup is the goal. Like, that's what I want to be mm-hmm. doing for a living and stuff. Um, and right now, I'm on that track, so I'm pretty happy with it. Um, so, yeah, cup goal, like, making my way. I don't want to be rushed. Like, I don't want to be, like, thrown in a truck when I'm not ready or thrown into Xfinity and not have the experience I need to be successful. And if you do that, then you're probably not going to make a career out of it. So I just want to, you know, be smart with my time, like, be successful in each series that I go to and just make this a – long-term career for myself well you got a good head on your shoulders you got a good support group around you yes i think you're you're heading in the right direction i think so (laughs) thank you for the time of course appreciate it jeff come here say some words say some words (laughs) come on
This is Jeff with the Davis Group. He's a wonderful guy. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Did you enjoy this interview? Oh, absolutely. Did you enjoy this season? Uh, it had its ups and downs, but we uh, came out of it pretty good, I think. How much do you love me? Um, does that have to be aired? I mean, it's... No, I'm not it's, cutting this out. It's, it's I'm pretty not. well known that you love me, and it's right. like, it's reciprocal, but it's a manly thing. Okay. Well, thank you. I'll give you one more hug. You're not going to Miami, right? Okay, well, I'll give you a hug today and say goodbye. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Brittany. Got a little bromance. (laughs) We always do. You love our bromance, though. Oh, yeah. There you have it, folks. Brittany Zamora and I's conversation. Told you guys would like it. Uh, It was a nice convo. I I wanted to do more conversations like that with drivers, crew chiefs, people around the sport in general when you literally sit down in a room next to each other and just shoot the you-know-what. And I didn't really get a lot of chances to do that this past year because of my other work obligations. But hopefully 2020 we'll be able to do some more of that stuff because I really enjoyed that. And now this is where we usually go into lug nuts of the week and I cue the music. But I'm not going to do that because there's too many to count. So we'll come back next time. Don't know when, but soon, hopefully next week, with a comprehensive preview of what's going on in the offseason, what will be going on in 2020. And speaking of what's going on in 2020, I have a favor to ask of you guys. Please, take a couple minutes, write a rating and review on iTunes. That's not the favor, but I also just kind of added that in. What do you guys want from this show this year? You know, tell me who you want me to talk to, how you want me to talk to them, how do you want the conversation structured, what do you want the format of the show to be, do you want more race recap and race preview and less interview? Do you want more interview and less of the recap and preview? Like, whatever you guys want, I will do. I kind of have a rough idea of how I want conversations with certain drivers, crew chiefs, owners, media members, et cetera, in the sport, how I'd like them to go. But if you guys want me to talk to somebody in particular or you want me to ask a certain question or you want me to change up the format of the show once or twice or maybe every now and then, I'll do it. Like, I know I'm not – this podcast is not like a huge deal or anything. I actually just – searched nascar on the itunes podcast charts and i was not even in like the top 50 or whatever which is kind of crazy to me but i guess i gotta fix out my uh, seo and keywords i digress but tell me what you guys want seriously i'll do it i'll do anything um i really want this podcast to be engaging this year with you guys i want to get my listenership up make it a little bit of a cult following i would like that to be that'd be cool so guys that'll wrap things up for episode 39 Shout out to the OG Ryan Newman of Victory Lane 2.0. As I mentioned, do me a favor, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. We're everywhere. Everywhere you want us, that's where you got us. Peace and love, my dudes and dudettes. Talk to you on the flip side.